This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk with CEO and co-founder of U-Science, Edson Barton. U-Science is helping learners understand the science of, well, you. How your mind is wired, what makes you tick, the skills and knowledge that set you apart. As it says on their website, you have a lot to offer. We're here to help you tell the world. That's up next on EduTech Guys. You're listening to the EduTech Guys, edutechguys.com. Hello, and welcome to the EduTech Guys. I'm David Henderson. Hey, I'm Tiff Hancock. Yeah, how you doing? Thank you so much for you, you tuning know, in. You say on. that like you're falling down a, a giant <laughs> hole. Hello. It's, it's a massive hole. It's just I fall in it every day I come to work. Oh, just kidding, boss. <laughs> we work at wonderful, <laughs> wonderful institutions of higher lear- ed- <laughs> learning. <laughs> Check us out on the web, www.edutechguys.com. You can't miss us. Also, when it comes to social media, just hit I us up at I'm going to slap 80s DJ over here in the head. <laughs> Edutech Guys at Edutech Guys. That's where every you can find us on the social media. You know, we, we're we getting a little too cavalier. Are we? At the, with the intros to these podcasts. But if you've ever met us, you know we're, we're pretty cavalier. We're pretty cavalier. I, I'll be honest. I don't even know what that means. Cavalier means, you know, Yahoo, you know. No, no. I, I know what cavalier means. Oh. I, I don't understand how... Cavalier, like, wasn't it originally like a dude up on a horse, right? That's the the cavalier. Cavalier. Uh huh. So how did that go th- to being like you know horsing around and and just kind of blase, let blase me, fair? Let me take you back, 1989. Jeff, undergraduate, needs a course, military history, 1700 to 1850. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ray Grenade, one of the smartest people I've ever known in my life, was a librarian at. Washington Baptist University. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, his name was Ray Grenade. Ray Grenade. And he was the librarian. Like he, Grenade, like, what? And he taught military history. That's way too appropriate. So uh, I learned that the Cavalier in horseback, the Cavalier in the fighting, yeah. he, he was not, he went out and fought. Okay. 
he did his own thing. He was his own man, if you will. He was random. He was cavalier. Hence the name we use it as cavalier. So being free to say what you want, do what you want. One of the many definitions of Cavalier. Also, a great car made in the (laughs) mid-80s. A Chevy. The Chevy Cavalier. Two two and four-door. Had a sport model. Only the two-door was cool. The the four-door, they they hosed it up. They changed the entire body with the four-door. My my friend Todd had one he got for his senior, you know, for graduation to school. And it was a two-door maroon sport. Yeah. That four-cylinder would move. The Cavalier and the Citation. The Citation. citation. And the Citation. Two. Great show for you today, folks. Anyway, <laughs> next up on Car Rex, a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> hey, listen, it's going to be a great show. That's a great way to get into you, science, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I got to stop listening. Martha, remind me to stop listening to Edutech guys. They're sharing way too much stuff. I don't want to know them that well. ETG? TMI. <laughs> <laughs> Baba Wawa's in. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break and uh, hear a little something from somebody about something. And then we'll be right back after this. Are you using Soundtrap for personal use, recording podcasts, making music, and more? More importantly, are you using Soundtrap in the classroom? Soundtrap for the Classroom is amazing, allowing students the ability to create music, podcasts, audio for their projects, and so much more. Check out Soundtrap now at Soundtrap.com. Hey, welcome back to the Edutech Guys. We're really excited to have our next guest on the show. We're going to let him tell us who he is, what he does, and where he's from, and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Excellent. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, My name is Edson Barton, and I'm the CEO of Youth Science. Uh, We've been uh, in business and doing uh, work with the education community since 2006, uh, both as precision exams and as Youth Science. And uh, recently in 2020, actually two weeks before COVID shut everything down with public education across the nation, I merged companies together to form a really unique Uh, offering for our educators and for our students to help individuals truly look at their education from a career perspective, but all the way transforming that back to middle school and looking at how we help individuals from that age group onward transform and and look at their education to really point towards the the career that they were intended to do. And we connect all of that together on all of those transitions all the way through career. So post-secondary and career. So talk a little bit about what that looks like. And and let's start at the middle school level, because I don't think uh, a lot of folks, especially students, you know, they're not necessarily thinking career when they're in middle school. So what does that look like from that perspective forward? Yeah, you know, as students, uh, one of the things that I'm going to back up just one even step further is what we've noticed over the years, and this isn't new learning, this has been well documented for over years and years of periods of time, is that we start to lose engagement with our students starting as early as, as fourth and fifth grade. And then in middle school and beyond, it just starts to drop, meaning the engagement of our students in their education really starts to drop. 
And what we found is that students don't know why they're there in their education. They're, they're missing the connection between their, their butt time in class and the rest of their lives. And that starts as early as middle school. And, and too often, I think we don't value the opinions of our young students as much as we should, but they're they're truly thinking about their future. Now, they may not think about it the way that we do as adults, right? And we've all been there, so we know kind of what it's like, but they are trying to piece together their lives. They're trying to understand why do they spend so many hours in these classes doing the things that they're doing? And if we can't make that experience relevant to them, then they start to check out. Therefore, the engagement level, which is what we track, and Gallup does a tremendous job on that, we see those numbers going down and down and down. And so the idea of getting this started in middle school is how do we help the middle school students start to understand who they truly are, right? What are they capable of in so many ways that's different from the ways that they may have thought of themselves in the past? and set them on the trajectory towards something better. Now, it's also at that middle school level that most of the laws in the nation or at every state level have started to indicate that we need to start doing career exploration in those middle school years. And so not only is there this natural curiosity at middle school level of who I am and what I should be doing, but there's also a legal requirement that's starting to be passed down that says we've got to help students figure this out earlier. And so both of those things kind of come together. And that's why we started middle school and trying to help a student figure that out at that, that age. So along those same lines, then you're, you're working with the students, helping the students try to figure out what their interests are and, and where their various career paths might go, which frankly looks a whole lot different to middle schoolers today than when we were in middle school. You know, when, well, I'll be honest, when I was in middle school, I probably didn't even think about what career I was going to do. But as I got into high school, I sure was. And and when I, you know, I'm, I'm slightly, I'm Gen X, so I'm just going to say that. So as a Gen Xer, you know, when we started getting into high school, we pretty much had to figure out what we were going to do, what we thought for the rest of our lives, <laughs> right? You know, students today, I mean, frankly, what they think they might be doing, you know, even as early as middle school, by the time they graduate high school, that job, A, may not exist anymore, or B, you know, they could completely change their mind, or just for the sake of argument, they they decide they are going to stick with that, but then, I don't know, what, three years down the road, they're like, eh, I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm going to do this over here. So how does that come into play? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question and a fascinating way to frame it as well, because and there were a couple of key things that you said in that 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 help us understand part of the problem and part of the solution at the same time. One of the things that you mentioned is where we have based for for actually generations now the the decision or the thought process of where do I want to go for my future? whether they're thinking careers or not, it's what do I want to be doing and those types of things. And we've been focused on helping somebody figure out what they're interested in. You know, what, what do you like to do? And there's that, you know, old adage, if you, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Right. And so we tell everybody that from the time that they're very young, the problem with that, however, is simply this. 
if I don't know, or if I haven't experienced all these different things in, 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 that are available to me as a potential career, how do I know what I am interested in? And it's actually even more deep-seated than that. Um, the, every, every tool that's out there, except for ours, um, is using an interest-based survey or a personality survey to try to figure out potential careers or pathways for a student. And they ask questions, and they're all very good and valid surveys, by the way. They're not bad tools. They're just misapplied. Because if I'm a student and I've lived in a rural community, and of course I'm being very stereotypical here, but if I've lived in a rural community and I haven't seen a lot of people working in the high technology field because most of my neighbors, my family or whatever are either ranchers or farmers or they're working BLM land for the government or, you know, or school teachers, I may never ever have experienced what it means to really be a computer engineer or a mechanical engineer or, or welding for an aerospace in, industry or something like that. So these interest surveys will say something like this, hey, do you want to be, or, or do you, are you interested in um, uh, working on a computer all day or do you prefer working with your hands on wood? Well, if I've never done either of those, how do I know, right? right? right. So what we're doing is we're reinforcing biases and stereotypes that are already deep-seated in an individual. And that's especially harmful for young women, for minorities, and for urban and rural students, which if you take all of those combined, that's a vast majority of our student base, right? So we're actually losing opportunities to direct them properly to help them answer those questions that you asked of, you know, how do I know where I should be going? And that's where we see a lot of career hopping is because somebody got into a major in college. They didn't know if they really belong there or not. So they jump around from major to major to major. Finally, they get two years into their studies and they're like, oh man, I still don't know what I want to do, but I got to finish. I'm not going to waste this time. So they finish up their education and then they never work in the field that they actually studied. In fact, there was a study done by the, by the uh, Federal Reserve of New York and they found that only 27% of four-year college degree holders will ever work in a, in a field related to their degree. Only 27%. Yeah. Uh, and that just shows that what we're doing is we're just jumping around. We're just throwing people into the mix and hoping they figure it out. There's got to be a better way. Well, you know, it sounds like you guys have you you've you've figured out a way for us to find um, all those even small non-general jobs that we can do. The talents that we have, and I think that's the biggest thing. So, being the same age. I was going to be a fireman or I was going to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, that was just it. It was not, I was going to be a talent scout for um, a production company. I was going to be, you know, we now know that there are so many other jobs that have so many other talents in fields. And, and that looks like what you science is there to do is to say, listen, you don't have to do this. I, I preach a lot at our, our athletics departments that, you know, it's football, baseball, basketball. Well, 
Get a kid to interview people. Get a kid to do the video. Get a kid to learn about law when it comes to this. You know, there's so many other talents these kids have. They're not going to be. And what you're doing to those junior high kids is terrible, by the way, because you're letting them know that they can't be an NBA star and they can't be Beyonce. And that's just terrible. So, <laughs> but, you know, but you're, we are given the opportunity that, hey, you want to be in the music industry and you can't sing. That's okay. There's a lot of jobs in the music industry. So I, that's kudos. I think that's really awesome right there. Well, and I think you, you said kind of the optimal word there. What are your talents there? Yep. And, and another way for describing that, the way that we use it is we use an aptitude-based guidance tool. And aptitudes are fundamentally different than interest because with an aptitude, we actually use performance-based measures, which put a different way is we actually suck this knowledge out of a student rather than asking them their opinion about themselves. Mm. As we get in and figure it out. And then we give them the options of what they're capable of, what their what their talents actually align to in the economy. And student after student, the millions of students that we've worked with, all of a sudden their eyes are open because they used to think about, like you said, doctor, lawyer, fireman, whatever it was. And now they realize I can be a, a, a music engineer, right? I love music, but I can't sing. But now I can I can do that type of engineering. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden their aperture and their worlds just expand tremendously. And now when you also when you use your talents, I think the other awesome thing about this is when you use your talents, you are naturally um, building on something inside of yourself. And versus when you're trying to do something like if I'm trying to sing and I really can't sing, it's hard for me. It's a struggle for me. But when I'm using a natural talent, I build on that and I and I get better faster. And so all my opportunities are opening up at the same time. It's really cool. You know, I was going to say, I I think there's not a person in the world, uh, a grown adult person, uh, any person that wouldn't say if I had known this then. And this is what's taking care of that. You know, it's it's we all have a lot to offer. It just takes a little time to get to that point to figure out what I have to offer. And giving that to these students earlier in life is going to create companies and organizations and workers and community members and viable members of society that you know, once you know who you are and once you know what you can offer, then that just opens up so many other avenues. And, and I see where you're going with this. And, and I feel like that's where your company looks at it as, is like, we've got to open up this vast array of opportunities for people and let's show them how we can do that. Yeah. You know, I, I, as our vision for our company, uh, early on, I stated, we are here to change the world. And I had some some early business advisors that said, that's too big. You know, you can't, you can't do that. And, and I pushed back and said, no, because if you can show how every single student is related to their future and they can build on that in a way that's positive for them and they can become the best form of themselves, well, then that changes them for one. Then that changes their families because they're happier. They go home from work and they're positive about things. That then starts to change their local communities. That then changes their employment that they're working in. And then that changes the world, right? And if we do that student by student by student, we really are doing something that is changing the world for the better. 
So we've been talking from the student side, and, and I'm sure we've got uh, listeners out there who are right now are like, well, that's that's great on the student side. So the students, uh, you know, figure it out for them. You know, they, they figure out through this process what they're what they're good at, what their where their talents lie, but their talents don't line up with anything that the school district is offering. Now, I realize that's like very hyperbole. I, I get that. I mean, it obviously would align with something, I'm sure. But by yep. the same token, you find students who um, who don't necessarily align with content that is available in the schools. So what does you science do or, or how or do you work with schools to help meet these students with where their talents lie? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I think finally, with some of these technologies that are coming to bear in the school systems, that we're finally being able to answer that question in a much more broad and holistic way. We're still, I think, as an education community, still trying to answer that question. But now because of technology, we can answer it better and better and better. And here's how it works both today and how it will work in the future. So by being able to identify the, the natural aptitudes for all of your students and being able to point them into different pathways of study, which is what the schools focus on, then we're better able to say, okay, you're really mechanically engineered or aligned student. We don't have, you know, your top job or career recommendation was in, was in uh, mechanical engineering. We don't have that at our school, but we actually have a really awesome welding program. And some of those skills will translate over, or we have a CAD program in our school, right? And some of those natural attributes are gonna cross between those worlds. So we can direct the students to one program that aligns maybe not 100%, but better than things that they would have chosen before. We can also then take all that information instead of the school systems kind of picking random pathways that they think might be fun for students, now we can take an analysis of the student body and say, where can we focus our attentions to be able to build programs that are actually meeting the needs of the vast majority of our population? That's radically different than what's been happening in the past as a choice for program. So it gives principals and districts a tremendous amount of insight into what they could be doing to actually build programs and meet the needs of their students as well. On the other side too, just kind of a benefit for, for educators across the board is, you know, every principal, every superintendent and every teacher now really has three things that are on their mind constantly. How do I improve graduation rates? How do I get better uh, diversity and equity into pathway programs, especially what we call non-traditional pathways for some students, right? And then how do I increase the enrollment in post-secondary education? So those three things are on, on every superintendent's uh, goals for their district, right? And think about how we answer that. We know uh, in, in emphatically now, without a doubt, that if you can get a student enrolled into a career-oriented program and they take at least three courses in that program, that graduation rates across the nation will jump 15 percentage points across all students. If you look at it for African-American students, it jumps 22 percentage points across the country. For English as a second language learners, it jumps 25%. Just by chance, if you can get them into these programs, right? 
But if you can then identify, for example, the young women who naturally by their own self biases will take themselves out of engineering jobs. But if you can then tell them, hey, you have aptitudes to do these types of careers and you can implant that into their minds, now all of a sudden the enrollments in those programs start going up. And what we know is that if we can accomplish those two things, enrollments in post-secondary education dramatically increases because now students know why they're going to post-secondary education, which also translates, by the way, which is a huge problem in our, in our uh, world right now is 42 percent of, of post-secondary students drop out. Mm -hmm. Right. So almost 50 percent has gone up. Those were numbers pre-COVID. So post-COVID or during COVID, it's actually gone up. Well, when you ask students why they're dropping out of post-secondary, the number one reason they give you is because they don't know why they're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they don't know, why would they be paying for it? Right. So it answers a lot of these types of questions that are driving the heart of some of our biggest problems in education. You know, that's you, you, you're hitting on that word that we've been harping on for several years on this show is why. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, having been in education 30 years myself, I can tell you, even 30 years back, no matter what it is, it's, well, why do I need English? Why do I need this? And, and once they find their purpose, then all of that falls in line. The paying the dues, yes. the, the hard lines, they all fall in line. So I see where yes. this is a multi, you know, a multifaceted opening of multiple doors for them once we can get to that one key thing. And, and it sounds like you guys realize that one's like, this is, if we get that one key thing, then it's the, it's the master key that's going to open the rest of this up for us. So that's a great question. So let's talk about real quick, getting it into schools. You know, what's the process? How, what trouble is it? Then, and that's what the other educators are. Okay, now how do I get it into my classes or how do I get it into the school? So tell us a little bit about that process. What, what would a school district do to, get, to start making this happen for their students? Yeah, you know, it's really, it's really straightforward and simple. You know, the programs are really easy to implement. And uh, because there are laws and, and regulations and requirements for career exploration in every single school district in, in America right now, it's really the decision to do something more profound than what you've been doing in the past. And it's no different. It's meaning the workload. It is just trying to decide, are we going to focus specifically on trying to help every student find truly who they are, answer their why. And if we can do that, then all of the rest of the, their future improves. If we can say that we're ready to do that as a school, really it's as easy as calling us up. You know, it's, it's really a 20 minute process to get students loaded into the system and doing that. But the benefits of helping the individual students are astronomical. And, you know, quite honestly, it helps our, our counselors. One thing I haven't talked about is the counselor and how much it benefits them. Mm. Um, the counselors, they have this problem every single time they're required to sit down with the students and say, let's talk about your plan, right? And typically this is the way the conversation goes. Counselor asks, what do you want to do? The student says, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. So then the counselor has to say, well, what are you interested in? And they say, well, I'm interested in, you know, girls or boys, you know, or I'm interested in sports. And they're like, OK, so it's this laborious process to try to drive this out. Well, now in that same five to 15 minutes, the counselor can sit down and say, hey, 
you know, Edson, let's look at your aptitudes. Oh my goodness. It looks like you're talented in X, Y, and Z. Well, we've got a pathway that's set up to specifically address those things. Why don't we get you into one of those classes? How does that sound to you? You know, you're having the same conversation, but now it's a powerful instance of implementation for the right outcomes and it changes everything. Yeah. So what I love about this is, and uh, being the time cop, I'm gonna, you know, we, it, it, it flies by, doesn't it? So what, what's really cool about this is um, I, I, have, I have grown daughters that are, the last one graduates this Saturday from college. And, she, and, and it's funny, she went to school for two things and she's getting two great degrees, but she's going to be a pilot. So, you know, <laughs> thanks mom and dad for paying for all that. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, but it's still, it's one of these things. There are a lot of our, our, our fellow educators listening and others listening to this podcast and they're going to say, can I also get this just for my kid? Yes, yes, you can. I've, I've visited the website, yeah. done my research, and yes, you can say, I'm going to grab this for my kid because this is what my child needs right now. Or this is what my student needs right now. I think it's a wonderful piece. So let's talk about these listeners wanting to get in touch with you guys. If they want to contact you, if they want to get in touch with you, follow you on Twitter, what's the best way they can reach out and you know, talk to you, steal your ideas, as we like to say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go first of all, go to youscience.com, and that's spelled out Y O U uh, science.com. That's the easiest way to both reach uh, anybody that you want to do something with, get it implemented, start there. Me personally, you can uh, find me on uh, Twitter uh, as well as on LinkedIn. Those are the two primary areas that I'm at. And just search for Edson Martin and U Science, and you'll find me on any of those and uh, follow that as well. Um, but really, uh, as you dive into this world, it's, it's this world that's opening up of, of connected learning to careers and to a student's future. And that's, that's just a burgeoning area that we're just barely tapping uh, in this world and so much greatness to, to come from it. Well, Edson, thank you for coming on the show, and we get we have to have you back and get a little because there's there's a lot more we can talk about. So um, I'm, I've got a list here that I, you know, I'm ready to hit you with next time. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, thank you so much to Edson for joining us today from U Science. That was fantastic. That's really cool stuff, you know. And I mean, that's the cutting edge stuff we're looking for right there. It's not just about surveys and questions because they don't know what they're doing anyways. We're gonna have to find a way to pick their brains mm-hmm. and really get into it and figure out how to let them know. Like I said, you know, it's a uh, gonna run some a lot of hearts out there that think they're gonna be the next, you know, you know, NBA basketball star and you know, super student singer. But I believe that this kind of knowledge at the middle school level and at the high school level and definitely at the college level because we all know some kids that could use it and this one here when he first when he was first talking about well you know you go to college and you take some classes and stuff and I was like so you were following me around that's what I was was like yeah Uh, yeah my degree is mass media radio I was going to own radio stations and what is my life job so far Uh, technology director type stuff so I mean you know that's no that was nowhere on my radar I was going to be a marine biologist I mean I do still keep a dolphin in a tub on the third floor but that's a long story no <laughs> but really hey thanks check them out usescience.com you can check him out on uh twitter just look up edson barton b-a-r-t-o-n hey yeah. 
Been a great show. I've had a good time. Have you had a good time? Absolutely, man. It's been awesome. awesome. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. Check us out on the web, edutechguys.com, all social media. 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 Social media, edutechguys.com. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Uh, I think I'm David Henderson. We'll get you next time. You've been listening to the Edutech Guys, edutechguys.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.